Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again to do a uh, mainly recruiting-based, if not exclusively uh, recruiting-based conversation and uh, look back at what is uh, certainly in, and uh, without a doubt really a super impressive class and it's just uh, whether it ends up ranking you know second best in the country or uh, second best in Jumbo Fisher's tenure or wh- whatever kind of ranking that seems to be floating around out there it's uh, undoubtedly another incredibly impressive class and uh, this will be a fun little rundown as to where they are uh, what they already have, uh, both committed and on campus, and, and what else is out there, uh, what we might see the final kind of two and a half weeks, or I guess two weeks now, of recruiting really look like. So, Bud, uh, happy to do it. Let's see where this thing goes, and uh, would you want to start anywhere other than quarterback? Uh, no, probably need to start at quarterback. But first, I do want to just quickly note that uh, we're not really taking questions on this tonight, um, and the reason for that is this. Rather than, uh, we feel it's going to be pretty comprehensive. So rather than like get a million questions of, hey, is FSU going to go after this guy? What are FSU's chances with this guy? If Florida State has an actual chance with the player, we'll discuss it. But we're not going to, we're not going to discuss guys who uh, you know, didn't take an official visit to Florida State and really aren't that high on FSU's radar or, or for whom uh, they don't have FSU that high on their radar or FSU doesn't have room for that type of stuff. So if we don't discuss a player, uh, you can feel safe that, that that player is not coming to Florida State, um, barring something really, really weird down the stretch. So I just wanted to say that because I, I know we usually take questions. That's the reason we're not taking questions tonight. Good deal. Um, understood. Kind of save more to it. Yeah, we'll save, save a little bit of time, and uh, we'll certainly talk on anybody that is a uh, legitimate conversation. And if they're not, uh, if they're not covered, then – uh, there's a reason. Uh, to quarterback, the fact that we were first saying, but it's in a really impressive haul, uh, both what you already have for this year and then the one commitment for next. But the three that we're really looking at, uh, DeAndre Johnson um, is a guy that's already on campus, and I'll let you talk about his skill set some. And then you got the Loxley kid, which depending on where you look and depending on what, position he plays at certain all-star games and I'll let you expound as to whether or not you think that's uh, telling us where he lands at the next level um, and then maybe the most uh, impressive kid that I've seen of the three uh, DeAndre Francois so uh, where do you want to start and uh, quite quite the hall regardless of how uh, where these guys end up once they actually go on campus yeah, uh, you know, Florida State went into this year, I think, fully expecting Jameis Winston to go pro, despite Winston's, uh, you know, proclamation that he was going to stay and that Fisher saying the plan was for him to stay. There's no doubt in my mind that they, they recruited this quarterback class like they expected Winston to go pro, and, and they needed some numbers here. Um, 
and they got him. You know, they have three quarterback commits right now. I wrote uh, back in what July, I think, when they all committed. Uh, you know, would Florida State really sign three quarterbacks? And indeed, uh, it looks like they are lining up to sign all three, uh, and and that's kind of been the plan as long as all three wanted in. Uh, now all three understand that there's only one football, and you don't rotate quarterbacks. Uh, so. Could there be some position changes down the line or some transfers? I think you would have to expect that there would be uh, position changes or transfers or more likely both uh, out of this group. So the first guy they have uh, already on campus, DeAndre Johnson, uh, won Mr. Florida in, in the state of Florida, which is a really prestigious honor. Great high school stats. Uh, Kiddo, I think, is fairly bright uh, football-wise. Question there is going to be, you know, w- what is his, his physical ceiling? Is he that much better physically now? Uh, than he was as a fresh uh, as a freshman in high school. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's somewhat better. He's certainly more experienced, but he's not uh, not real tall, not real big, and uh, the arm is is not huge. So, if he's going to be a quarterback at Florida State who is you know uh, playing meaningful minutes, uh, then he's going to be a guy who's going to win with intelligence, with anticipation, with accuracy. And I'm excited to see how, how quickly he picks up the playbook and how much weight and size he can put on and strength uh, that he can add in the weight room, both for uh, injury protection and also to see how much, how much zip he can put on the ball. Um, rated three stars, I, I think that's, that's an accurate rating for him. Uh, I don't think he uh, really deserved four-star status despite the high school stats. And remember, stars are primarily a projection. They are not necessarily a reflection of what you've done in high school. There are kids all over the country that throw for ridiculous numbers, which Johnson certainly did. Uh, who, who are, you know, two and, and no stars. So in any case, uh, he's already on campus. And then they have the two other guys, DeAndre Francois out of IMG Academy, uh, who is a Florida State commit, the guy who I think is the most talented of the group, uh, the player who I think has probably improved the most during his senior year uh, since the move from IMG or to IMG. Uh, has really benefited a lot from working with Chris Winkie and working with the, the one-on-one coaching you get down there at IMG and, and was pretty impressive during All-Star Week and, and the All-Star Game as well to the extent that you want to take anything away from the All-Star Game, uh, which I, I typically don't all that much. He's actually uh, going to visit Florida this weekend. He officially visited FSU last, last weekend. Um, there were some rumors that he was not going to visit Florida. However, that's uh, false. Uh, he is look like, looks like he's going to visit Florida as, as far as the last check. Florida still expects him to visit. And, you know, c- could could he flip to Florida? I think so. Yeah, I think there's a chance. I don't. I don't think there's you know a, a 0% chance or anything like that. Um, Florida's QB situation is not very good. You know, we saw Trayon Harris was unable to push the ball down the field, and, and his accuracy on anything other than the short stuff was was really really sketchy against Florida State, and, and also in some of the other games he played this year. And Will Greer, uh, from talking to people down there in Gainesville, has not really impressed him. So who else is on that roster in the way of quarterbacks? Not much. I mean, if you're DeAndre Francois and you go to Gainesville. You got a real shot to, to start as a true freshman, so I think they're going to tell him that, and I, I think that you're going to say, "Hey, you can come be a, a four-year starter in the SEC and, and work under you know a guy who is a very offensive coordinator uh, in in Jim uh, McElwain." So I think Florida State's going to have to weather this visit. I do think that his closeness to some of his Orlando guys, you know, like like Jacques Patrick, like um, you know Derwin James, who's you know, out of Haines City, which is in Orlando, but he's kind of been with that whole group for the whole time. And, and just his closest to some of the FSU commits, I think, will help him. I also think that Francois believes he's the best quarterback that FSU's signing this year. And so I, I don't know if he's really worried about the other guys in his class 
as competition, nor really should any of the quarterbacks be, because that's the mentality you want them to have. You want them to say, hey, I'm going to be the best player uh, out of this class, and you want them to have that attitude and work with that attitude. So that's kind of the scoop on Francois. Um, Loxley. The other kid, yeah, uh, is Kyle Loxley, the son of Mike Loxley. Pretty much the only remaining competition here is Texas and Maryland. Um, Texas needs a quarterback in the worst way, as I'm sure everybody saw uh, this year when they were playing. That their kid is terrible. Uh, I actually think Loxley's a better receiver. I think that if he comes to Florida State, he will move to receiver. Uh, personally, I, I was not wowed with him when I saw him in person a couple times this year. And I, I do think he has much better uh, long-term receiver skills than he does quarterback skills. So um, if he does go, I think it's more of a loss of a receiver than a quarterback for Florida State. He's going to officially visit Texas this weekend. And this is interesting because Texas actually had uh, Kyler Murray, the Texas a commit, along with Demarcus Lodge, who's a uncommitted receiver, both from the state of Texas, kind of come in today on a very quiet visit. And uh, if, if the kids had not tweeted out uh, their pictures of, of jerseys of, of Texas, I don't know that we would have found out about this probably until tonight. And so we found out uh, this afternoon. So how serious Texas is with Kyler Murray is, is kind of yet to be seen. I don't know they're going to be able to pull him away from the Aggies, but that's certainly going to factor into what Texas does with Loxley. Um, Charlie Strong and Mike Loxley, who's the dad of Kyle Loxley, the, the quarterback commit, um, they have a, a pretty, you know, uh, detailed relationship, obviously having both worked together at Florida under Urban Meyer. So they, they understand what each other likes to do with a coach, probably a lot of respect for each other there. That'll be one to watch. And of course, since Mike Loxley is the offensive coordinator at Maryland, we'll have to see if Maryland's able to pull anything down the stretch. Loxley, Loxley you know, continues to tweet a lot of positive stuff about Florida State. I think he does want to sign with Florida State unless Texas or Maryland really open his eyes. So uh, most likely if they get through this Texas visit, I, I think they're going to be okay. But that, that's going to be one to watch this weekend. So uh, both of these uh, both these QBs visiting elsewhere this weekend, I'm going to set the over-under on guys uh, FSU signs at quarterback at two and a half. And I, oof, I don't know. I, I think that's a tough call. I, I'd probably go over, but I'm not totally sold on that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, Loxley, assuming he does sign, uh, where, if he were to change a position, is would it be a position other than wide receiver, I guess? Would you possibly project him in the defensive secondary anywhere? No, I, I think he's he's probably a receiver. Uh, I mean, some people think he could play safety, but I, I think he's most likely um, a receiver if he's not a quarterback. And I, I think that he wants to play quarterback. So uh, Florida State's recruiting him as a quarterback, uh, even though he played receiver in his all-star games, and Texas wants him as a quarterback. And it's kind of one of those things to where, yeah, you can play quarterback until you prove that you can't play quarterback. Right. And and, and everybody wants to play quarterback. So um, often it takes uh, it takes 18 months to uh, to see otherwise. So um, we'll end up, you know, what happens there, I, I would encourage Florida State fans to not get too, uh, too freaked out if you do have a – Defection there. You certainly have to keep in mind what is uh, what you've already inked in the 2016 class. Um, and really, yeah, if if you feel like you can hold on to the Francois kid and then uh, back that up with Malik Henry, you have you've really set yourself at, at uh, quarterback for quite the foreseeable future. So uh, Francois being sent to follow Loxley, I think, really is. Uh, it's certainly a great thing to have and a great piece to have, but uh, if there's a defection and he's the one, um, so be it. 
uh, certainly wouldn't be like losing losing a kid and then possibly see him be uh, see him three or four years as a starter down in Gainesville. So uh, with that, let's move to running back. But what uh, I mean, you, we've talked about him a lot. I still am somewhat blown away by the uh, the amount of early enrollees and also the quality of them. And Jock Patrick is uh, is one of what four or five stars already on campus. Uh, a big physical back, but also a guy that has some pretty special feet. If you watch him run, uh, just give me your opinion of this kid and and where you think he fits in next year. Yeah, I think Patrick is going to have to adjust a little bit uh, to the college game because he won't be able to run over guys quite like you know he he did in high school. Uh, but I I do like that in high school he wasn't someone who. Uh, like the Hood kid uh, that UNC signed last year, Elijah Hood. I, I like that that guy tried to run over everybody, and I think that his adjustment was probably bigger than what you know Patrick's going to have because Patrick has has some wiggle and and actually catches the ball fairly well too. So I, I think those kind of secondary skills are going to help him a lot if he can step in and be Florida State's uh, you know perhaps uh, back in short yardage, a guy who is a dependable. Uh, pass protector and someone who, you know, maybe catch football a little bit and, and also get some some nice carries uh, behind, you know, Cook and Pender. I think that, that's a great number three back to have, and he's of course going to have to beat out Ryan Green in order to uh, to make that happen. Um, and, and, and you know, perhaps uh, Vickers and, and Freeman as well, but those guys are more of the fullback mold. Anyway, I, I like him a lot. Uh, Patrick actually a kid who I saw in I'm trying to think of the year here. It was a it was definitely a spring camp or spring combine or spring camp and it was either I think it was twenty ten or twenty eleven. It might have, it must have been twenty eleven. And uh anyway, he he was very new to the recruiting game at, at that time and I, I got his information to you know stay in contact with him so I can do a story. And he messaged me on Facebook and this was how he was so new to the recruiting game that he thought I was a coach and he said, Hey Coach Bud do you think I'll ever get any scholarship offers? And then I think within two, three months, uh, Bama popped him, Florida State popped him, Florida popped him. I think Auburn did as well. And, uh, and then it was off. And I just kind of chuckled up. I was like, yeah, uh, you're the best kid at this camp, and you're, you're uh, two or three years younger than all the seniors here. Uh, the guy who's liked Florida State for a long time has really kind of been committed to Florida State under the radar for a long time, I, I think. And, you know. Uh, now he's in early. That's key. That uh, was a big thing this year. Florida State had to get guys in early. Seven early enrollees. Uh, I believe eight if you count Ethan Frith, who was inked last year and delayed his enrollment um, due to the shoulder surgery, which is probably the right call. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be big. The other running back, though, they have in this class is Johnny Frazier. Out of, out of, he's out of North Carolina, Princeton High School. And uh, he's really kind of anything but solid. I mean, I, I, yeah. I kind of hesitate to call him a compared to this fan point. base as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Oh um, God, he. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, a kid that I don't. I realize we're kind of stepping over each other here, but a kid that you just uh, would love to have the physical tools. I mean, I don't. What is he? Five, eleven, six foot, two twenty. Uh, pretty impressive highlight film. Uh, but a guy that just seems to have gotten caught up a little bit in the recruiting game, a little bit in, uh, you know, a little bit uh, wanting, or at least actions that make you think that uh, just wants some attention or wants maybe more 
surrounding his recruitment. I don't know exactly what to say, and I'm not trying to be uh, too critical of the kid either. I, I don't blame any of these kids for going through the, the full process, but uh, a guy that has certainly handled his recruitment kind of odd the past three months or so. Yeah, a guy who our sources said really cared about um, like how much people were tweeting him and stuff on, on Twitter and like how much love he was getting from other fan bases and someone who uh, knew that Jack has Patrick was coming aboard for quite a while before Patrick actually did make it official and, you know, expressed that he was cool with it. And then all of a sudden uh, expressed that he was not cool with it once uh, Patrick made it official. So a little bit of kind of just uh, surprising, like what the heck <laughs> thing going on there uh, with, with Johnny Frazier. Um, NC State is kind of the, the, where it looks like he may end up at this point, although he's not officially decommitted from FSU yet. So, and he's not really, you know, uh, listed a, a time or date where he's going to, as far as I, that I've seen, uh, a time or date where he's going to make any sort of official announcement. So, I don't know if you can say Florida State's a hundred percent out of this, but I don't think they're feeling too good about it right now. Right. Um, you know. So, I, I the, the logical question now is, what do they do if 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 uh, Frazier does flip, right? And that answer is head on down to St. Thomas Aquinas. Please. Yeah, and and, get, and go go try to get Jordan Scarlett. And I think in perusing the message boards and the comment section and social media, people kind of just assume that if Frazier jumps, that FSU is just automatically going to go pick up Scarlett. And, and I don't think that's the case. Uh, I've talked to Scarlett a couple times. He's a nice kid, and he really does seem to value academics and distance from home, which both strongly favor him staying committed to Miami. Uh, now, Florida is also getting in on him. He, he's going to see Florida on the 23rd. He'll see FSU on the 30th. Uh, but my sources down there in Coral Gables were telling me that he was actually uh, openly recruiting for Miami pretty hard um, last week in his official visit uh, down, down to see the Hurricanes. So um, a kid from that area, I don't know if you're automatically going to get him. That said, Florida State does have a really good history with St. Thomas Aquinas of late. Uh, Andrew Datko, Lamarcus Joyner, Rashad Green. A lot of guys from that program have ended up at Florida State. Uh, Austin Barron is also from down there. Um, trying to maybe one or two more. Uh, uh, trying to think who else they've had. So many kids come out of that program. Um, they're going to try and make their best impression on him for sure. And, and he's friends with some of the guys in his class from South Florida. There's no doubt. I just don't know if Florida State flipping Scarlet is necessarily like the most automatic thing. Right, right. Bobby Hart's certainly another one from down there. But uh, yep, there it's, we go. Um, it's interesting. You know, I mean, if you only sign one, then, then you're okay, certainly. Um, if you are going to take it, just the idea of signing a really <laughs> quality running back at STA, you just, you just feel a little bit better recruiting from that school. There's a couple schools like that. Um, and maybe a little bit of recency bias with the names that we just listed, uh, maybe making too much out of that. But um, uh, maybe I'm being oversimplistic, but when I get the choice to choose a running back from uh, from South Florida or North Carolina, I would uh, I'm probably unfairly uh, more times than not choose the kid from South Florida, particularly from that program. But, uh, you know, like I said, Florida State's in great shape. Uh, with the existing product on campus, and it's it's a young product at that. Um, so Dalvin Cook looks to be something special, and 
whether you get uh, one or two, the running back position looks to be in uh, in very good hands moving forward regardless. And I, I think that's the key. Uh, Florida State would like two backs here, but I really do not think that they're going to uh, reach for two backs. I, I, they're not just going to go grab a second guy out of the blue, in my opinion, um, because there are some good backs next year uh, in, in Florida who, who they can get on. And it's not like their situation is so dire. I mean, it, 2015 it projects as a bit of a rebuilding year anyway. If you go into the year with, you know, uh, Cook, Pender, Green, Josh Patrick, so that's four tailbacks. And then you also have Freddie Stevenson and Jonathan Vickers who could conceivably carry the ball in emergency situations for you. That would be six tailbacks. I mean, are you really, like, taking an extra guy for an emergency, emergency situation? If Florida State loses, you know, four or five running backs to injury next year, they're pretty much just in trouble anyway. It's not like some kid, you, some true freshman you, you sign, you know, late on signing day is going to save your season for you, most likely. So I, I think that if they don't, if they're not able to get Scarlett and then Frazier flips, uh, that they'll probably just pass on, on taking another one and pocket the scholarship for next year. Sounds good. Uh, sounds like a uh, position where you're really recruiting from a great place of strength and be fun to watch out uh, how it plays out. But having the uh, the freshman that you've already seen play and then the uh, – the other kid that's already on campus and, and Patrick running back, you you feel good. God, it's just it's just so different with this many kids already on campus, man. I mean, I, I don't I hate to belabor the point, but it's just a whole different dynamic when you can already talk about recruiting and look up and be talking about seven of the better players in the country that are already in campus on your weight room, etc. So uh, I will. Ramble on to the uh, to the wide receivers, bud. Here, uh, Alden Tate, uh, Nyquan Murray, if that's how you pronounce his name, I'll let you correct me if not. Uh, but two very different prospects as far as uh, physical status, and uh, probably two of the somewhat. I mean, if there's a position that's not just uh, full of national prospects, I'll Tate certainly has uh, is well, looking at Michigan and uh, I don't. That's not a knock on his status. I realize he's highly thought of, but it's uh, a three-star kid and then a, a four-star wide receiver. Uh, two kids that you're looking at. Just tell me about what you think of them and, and where they might, uh, if they have any role next year. Yeah, I've seen all four of these guys a lot. Uh, Cam- George Campbell, Devontae Phillips, Nyquan Murray, and Alden Tate. And uh, they're all different type players. Campbell is a tall guy with tremendous quickness and and good you know good top end speed as well obviously uh and he, he's very very agile for a player of his size but he, he is learning to play big i mean he, he's six three um he doesn't really play, play like a six three guy yet although it's coming along i had real mm-hmm. concerns about that as a junior and in, in some of the uh, seven on seven and some of the camps um a couple concerns i had one was that, you know, hey, would they use him correctly? Because I thought he was kind of a natural slot, to be honest, a guy with great change, great change of direction uh, and an ability to kind of play inside, whereas a lot of tall guys don't have the ability to stop, start, and, and, and run those little option routes and stuff like he does. So my, one of my concerns was would he ever play big and how would, how would they use him if he didn't? He's starting to play big. The other thing I had real concern there was uh, he really didn't catch the ball very naturally at all, and it was kind of awkward and, and tough to watch at times. To his credit, and he denied, you know, earlier. But to his credit, he later told me that he was really working on his hands 
And they have gotten a lot better. Talking to people who get to watch him a lot and also seeing him in person in some of the all-star settings and later on in the year in high school games, he's stopped dropping the ball uh, like he was. And that's that's a really encouraging thing for Knowles fans. I supported his drop to a four-star when it happened, uh, you know, after some of the summer stuff. And I fully supported after being told that he was catching the ball again, uh, his, his you know rise back up uh, to a five-star status. So that, that's really good to have him and to have him enrolled early uh, to be able to work him into the offense. He's a true big play threat if he's able to learn the offense and, and get with it pretty early. Uh, the other guy who enrolled early, Devontae Phillips out of Miami Central, Dalvin Cook's buddy. I've kind of considered him a member of the team since probably since Ermon Lane and Dalvin Cook jumped aboard. Um, or, or at least since they decommitted from uh, from UF, so what late uh, late 2013 essentially, uh, and if not a little before that, Chris Knee called this guy Baby Blackman um, since about 2012 or 2011. We've seen him in camps all these years. Really strong, really physical. Not the fastest, not the biggest, but but really uses his natural strength uh, to get open and uh, and the muscle for the ball, and, and has very strong hands. Catches everything. So nice to see him there. Uh, Nyquan Murray is your prototypical slot guy in and out of his cuts really fast can stop start uh, you know not the biggest guy catches a boatload of balls uh, in, in that high school offense and, and I would expect him uh, if he can pick up the offense to be a really nice uh, outlet option type guy for Florida State and then Tate is your prototypical big body guy I mean he's a guy who some people thought would have to play tight end uh, he's going to be a 225 230 pound receiver at 6'4 and uh, he kind of reminds you a little bit um, of like a bigger Willie Halstead type. And that's that's a good thing. So this is a really nice group of, of four receivers for Florida State. It's a very complimentary group. All the pieces are, are different, diverse, and they fit together pretty well. Uh, and yet they also, they've not reached for anybody. Here I, I've heard questions, okay, uh, are they going to go after a guy like a Ryan Davis? And I, I don't believe that they are at all. I know some some other media outlets continue to push the Ryan Davis angle. and. Uh, I don't see it. I think that's, that would be a mistake. I don't think Florida State is doing that. I know that he is uh, um, you know, a bit of an FSU legacy, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, does he really help you? Do you really project him to get on the field that early for you? And knowing in your head that 2016 is a loaded year in the state of Florida for receivers, and receivers you have a good job to sign, um, I don't think you want to go ahead and burn a scholarship this year when you can get a higher quality player next year especially when you already have four in the fold. Yeah, certainly. And when you've got two of them already on campus and then and then uh, Tate and Murray coming in, I would uh, I'd agree with you, particularly when you talk about just measuring your numbers and what you're, uh, what you're looking at down the pipe. Um, you feel pretty confident in, in Murray and Tate ultimately ending up on campus? Yeah, I do. I mean, I know Murray or I know Tate continues to to look at at Michigan and, and Florida still wants him. Uh, but at this point, I, I think that that he's pretty well locked in. Good deal. Um, tight end, Jalen Wilkerson. Uh, tight end, yeah, you got Jalen Wilkerson. Florida State is taking uh, one tight end this time. Uh, Coffee County kid uh, out of Georgia, also a teammate of Cole Minshew, who I'll talk about in a minute, and. Um, uh, Wilkerson is a guy who I think is very athletic. Uh, he's a pretty good blocker. He also plays uh, defense for Coffee County. Question is going to be his, uh, you know, receiving ability, both catching the ball and his route running. We'll have to see how that comes along. Has a nice frame. I, I think uh, probably has a floor of a very good blocker, and, and we'll see what else he can provide down the line. 
Uh, and Florida State's not taking a second tight end in this class. And I think part of the reason for that is because they have Isaac Nata, uh, who is a freak of a tight end. I think he's, you know, he's in the 2016 class. I believe he's already better than Wilkerson is, to be honest. And I think he would play snaps for Florida State immediately if he could uh, skip his senior year of high school and just somehow be on campus, which, of course, isn't really possible, but that's something to think about right there. <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, you know, getting getting kids out of Coffee County never hurts either. Uh, decent little program to have a rapport with um, out of Georgia. Anything else you want to say about the uh, kind of skill guys before we move to the uh, offensive line class as a whole? No, I think it's a pretty good group of skill guys, I and mean, I think they had to be really happy about it. And uh, obviously, they would like to have two uh, star backs in this class, but uh, that may or may not happen at this point. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the uh, offensive linemen here, Bud. Uh, another class, another part of the class that at least I can tell you personally am uh, pretty excited about. Uh, I think you and I are both pretty fairly positive about Minshew, despite him being a uh, three-star ranking, but the uh, the kid so far that I'm most excited to see is the uh, Abdul Bello. So I'll let you uh, start us off with there, and then also the uh, offensive lineman out of Maryland, that uh, the David Robbins kid as well. So uh, three guys to talk about. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? Man, I really like this offensive line class. Um, I, I think it's, it's a really good class. I think it's an underrated class. Um, you know, you have Abdul Bello, who is uh, fairly new to the game of football, obviously came over from Africa and was at, you know, the Monteverde Academy and uh, is learning the game, but is incredibly athletic and, and someone who I think can play guard or tackle at the college level. And, um, I mean, he's going to take some time to develop, but is uh, a guy you have to be excited about. And the good thing is that Florida State signed eight offensive linemen last year, if you count Frith, right? So these guys are not going to be coming – coming in and asked to play before they're ready, uh, like some of the players were in Florida State's previous years, uh, because they didn't have the depth. Now Florida State has that offensive line depth established. These guys, if they play next year, it's going to be because they earned that playing time, not because they, they were pressed into action due to a lack of depth. Uh, Cole Minshew is a guy out, out of Georgia. I mean, 6'6", 340, and he looks incredibly good for a kid of that size. I mean, not sloppily fat, which is just really, it, it's hard to find high schoolers, 17, 18 year olds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He may still be 17. He's not like a kid who's almost 19. I mean, he, he's fairly young. Um, he's a, a guy, I mean, that's really difficult to find a guy who's that big and that put together who finishes blocks like he does. And I, I think that's important to note because that, that says, Hey, you can definitely play at that college ready size. Right. Uh, Georgia was a little late to offer him. Remember, he, he uh, yeah, he's born on April 1st. So this guy's still a 17-year-old, 6'6", 340-something, and not <laughs> sloppy fat. I mean, that's uh, whew, um, that's really impressive, man, and, and a great job at FSU. Georgia's got to be kicking themselves for not offering him earlier. If you recall, uh, Georgia was going to going to offer, and then they, they delayed for a little bit, and then they finally did offer, and uh, – mm -hmm. And he ended up sticking with uh, sticking with the Knowles and, and appreciated uh, them going in on him when he wasn't necessarily all that highly rated. So, uh, God, they, they, I know Florida State is really excited about having him. Um, he's a road grader. Could play like a right tackle for you or a guard. Um, you know, is already about as big as like Trey Jackson is. 
right? Right. Which tells you something. I mean, just looks very, very put together. And then David Robbins, another guy uh, who I know Florida State is really excited about. And they, I, I think if you talk to Florida State's people, I think they've got three steals here on the offensive line. And they're not sleeper prospects. I just think they think, hey, we know they're rated well. We think they're even better than that. And David Robbins, I just talked to his dad a little earlier. He had a great official visit. Um, you know, he said, you know, David is only 17 years old, and they got they measured him in at 6'4", 315. And this is a guy who Florida State is looking at to play center or guard. I mean, again, 6'4", 315, and only 17 years old. And I saw the photos he put on Instagram and, and on Facebook uh, from his official visit. 315 and not sloppy fat. Mm-hmm. That means you're pretty well put together. You can hold that weight and hold that college-ready size without, you know, your frame being un- unable to support it. That's a big deal. And I think he can be a really good player for them, too. Uh, this is the class to be excited about. I think they would have liked to have Jalen Merrick. There's no doubt. Um, the guy who ended up spurning them for Arkansas. But I think it tells you something about how happy they are with this class, that they're not really going after anybody else. And Merrick would have been a true luxury for them. They don't really need another body there. Yeah, Arkansas. Kind of, yeah. kind of the glamour well, position out there. Yeah, exactly. You know, they they let their offensive tackle throw a, or their guard throw a touchdown pass. And, I mean, this is 11, 11 offensive line signees for Florida State in uh, in the last two years now. That's pretty impressive. You know, if you add four or five next year, I mean, you know, or, or three or four, that's that's a really nice number to have in a three year period. Mm-hmm. I would encourage people to go look at uh, Cole Minshew's tape. It's rare that you say that about an offensive lineman, but it's uh, fun to oh, watch. Oh, he's some guys, man. Shows you shows you a nice little what for a uh, couple couple opportunities where it might not even have to hit somebody but still does love to see that on an offensive lineman tape. Uh, so yeah, that's that's encouraging. That's fun to watch. And uh, yeah, uh, stars be damned. That that looks to be a a very good offensive line class. Um, you want to move it over to the defense side of the ball, bud? Yeah, pretty much have to because uh, that's yeah. the, that's the side of all most folks. Dude, we done. Let's talk about a. Uh, Mystery recruit kicker here. I guess we're done on that side. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the defensive line. You've got the uh, Josh Sweat kid already on campus. Um, I'll let you talk about defensive end and, and what's on campus and whether or not you get Coward's last visit or uh, or what you can make out of that. But uh, I, I want to go ahead and jump to defensive tackle first. Uh, you've got the Darvin Taylor kid committed. Uh, what I would say is uh, is the one prospect that if you let me get anybody uh, that still is uncommitted, it's uh, it's the defensive lineman out of East St. Louis, the Beckner kid. Uh, but where do you think Florida State stands for him, and is that uh, is that somebody that you would put in this class at this point? Uh, I would not put him in the class at, at this point. Um, his high school coach uh, out of Missouri said that he thinks. Um, uh, he, he thinks Missouri ha- has a, a, a pretty serious lead. And, um, you know, I, I think that's that's probably accurate. You know, a lot of those Missouri guys do end up staying home with Missouri. Missouri has a really good reputation as far as producing defensive linemen specifically over the last couple of years. And uh, Beckner's kind of a quiet kid. I mean, he, I know he, he enjoyed his visit to Florida State, and he just went on his visit to Auburn. Ohio State's also in the picture. And Florida State is recruiting this guy like they believe they have a real shot to get him. Uh, so there's no doubt about that. But at the same time, um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult to get him, not only because you know he hasn't taken a visit to Florida State in a while. He, he was there on his official for, I believe, 
might have been the Florida game the or Florida the game. Boston College. Yeah. No, it was Florida yeah, it was, game. Okay. A lot of this kind of running together in my head now. Um, you know, Missouri gets the last visit on a hometown kid, January 30th, on a kid who his high school coach already says uh, he thinks that Missouri has a lead. That, to me, is, um, you know, kind of kind of telling there. I think that, that's going to be hard to overcome. Yet again, Tim Brewster did a really nice job last year on um, on Roderick Johnson, who got him out of Missouri. We'll have to see if Florida State's able to do the same thing there uh, with, with, with Terry Becker Jr. But that would be a really big gift for them. They need uh, some help on the defensive tackle position. Certainly. Uh, Johnson, was, was he was also in the St. Louis area, or where was he out of Missouri, bud? He was um, – oh, he was out uh, – oh, gosh. It's sort of near Ferguson. Um, well, that's St. – yeah, that's St. Louis. I mean, that's yeah. Metro St. Louis. Uh, yeah. He, he, it's, it's the greater St. Louis here. I know when he, when he did his radio interview, it was a St. Louis radio station. So, um, gosh, I'm uh, bugging out. Florescent, Missouri? F-L-O-O. Florescent, yeah. Florescent, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's Metro St. Louis. It's actually the same high school as Dennis Dodd. Uh, Hazelwood Central High School, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, Beckner is a guy they really, really want uh, to play on the interior. And, um, I mean, just a, a really, really impressive guy. So we'll have to see what they can do there. I would not put him in the class at this point, but I don't know if you can totally rule him out either. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Would you, I mean, he is kind of, uh, in the mold of the, you see him being cast in the same way that you would Mario Edwards Jr. Uh, would he, would he be a defensive tackle? Would he be, um, somebody that tried to play it in? How do you think he would ultimately, uh, if he did sign with Florida State, where he would ultimately fall? Well, he's actually a little bit longer uh, than Edwards Jr. I don't think he has the same, uh, like, lateral agility as Edward Jr. does, and he uh, um, he could probably hold a little bit more weight uh, than Edward Jr. are. Um, so he's, he's, so it, you think he's a 4-3 defense tackle? Yeah, I, I think I think so. And I think they could probably use him as a 3-4 end in, in, in some spots as well, but I don't think he's really going to be playing a whole lot of, like, 4-3 end. Okay. Uh, I've got to say this. I, I've become fascinated with, uh, with Beckner Jr. in general, and this is just a little bit of rambling, but uh, East St. Louis, is, it's technically in Illinois, but it's right outside of St. Louis. Uh, but it is like it's pretty much the worst area of this country. If you've ever read about it or seen anything, um, it is nasty. It's, it's uh, I know we joke about the uh, Canes going to that bowl game down in Texas across the way from uh, Juarez, Mexico. But honestly, the, the crime stats in this place are not all that different from Juarez, Mexico. Uh, which I shouldn't even even joke about, but uh, hope for that. I hope just the best for that kid, regardless. And uh, certainly, certainly somebody that comes from uh, an area that you'd love to see somebody be able to, uh, you know, uh, make well in life. And uh, I wish him success, regardless. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um. Oh yeah, I, I remember actually first hearing about East St. Louis. Um. See if, where, where's it at here? Uh. Yeah, uh, the Simpsons actually, um, Springfield, Illinois, which is where uh, you know the Simpsons is shown, mm-hmm. um, got uh, I think it's like second or third least livable city in the United States. And I remember Homer going, "Take that, East St. Louis." 
so because he said Lewis was rated as the worst. Uh, yeah, here we go. Okay. Uh, following the episode's broadcast, Selma made a controversial statement about East St. Louis, which was pronounced the least livable city in the United States. In the episode, uh, they received letters uh, back when people wrote letters. Uh, get, getting angry about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. It's rough, man. It's rough, and uh, but uh, once in control, sense. however, the group. Uh, okay, this they had a new like new leadership group in St. Louis, right? Or in Springfield, and, and said once in control, however, the group allows power to go to their heads. At first, they efficiently efficiently implement their ideas for Springfield, which include banning green traffic lights and playing old classical music at the dog races, which elevates Springfield past East St. Louis on the list of America's 300 most livable cities. However, they began to internally fight over other ideas, such as having theaters for shadow puppets and a broccoli juice program, and their wildly unpopular plans at a public meeting, including the banning of all contact sports and comic guys' plan to limit breeding to every seven years, further exposes the rift inside the group. Anyway, uh, yeah, so they, they rift on the on East St. Louis in that episode. Um, and I can't find the quote because the, the actual quote. So, anyway, we got a little topic, off topic. Absolutely. Well, point... Uh... Point still made. Best of luck to Beckner Jr. and uh, be interesting to see whether or not he ends up in this class or if uh, if Missouri ends up keeping him home. Uh, the Darvin Taylor kid, what do you expect from him and uh, what do you think he brings to Tallahassee? Yeah, I think Darvin Taylor is a guy who um, is not going to be an instant impact player for them, uh, but has good athleticism, good size. I mean, he's a 300 pounder who can move, and that's really what you want in these guys. I mean, unless they're like obvious instant impact dudes. You want to do it with a good attitude, which he seems to have. Uh, you want a guy who is, is knows he has to come in and work, which I, I believe he does. And uh, I think he had a shoulder injury as well this year. I'm trying to remember his shoulder or arm. Um, and so I, hopefully he's all healed. But I really haven't had a chance to talk to him since. Probably will in, in the coming weeks. And, uh, I mean, he's a four-star for a reason. I think he's a good player. Uh, he's not necessarily one of these instant impact, no doubt, five-star type defensive tackles. Uh, I don't think he's in Beckner's league. but um, you know, if he could eventually be a starter for State. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Good enough. Uh, yeah. Um, 300 pounder that can move in high school. That's, that's definitely what you want to collect. And uh, he is uh, yet another in the trend of uh, Virginia players headed to Tallahassee, particularly those on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so kind of to work back out, uh, Josh Sweat, another Virginia kid, somebody that we – Talked a good amount on, but I don't want to uh, spend too much time on him tonight, uh, as we talked about him both in the podcast that we did um, about uh, the early enrollees in general, but also his recruitment and when he committed. But uh, still a kid, 6'5", 245 or so, uh, when he's when he was healthy. Just uh, sustained a pretty nasty knee injury this year. Um, what do you think, where do you think, is there any update, I guess, what I'm trying to ask on his progress uh, or his status, and, and when do you think is a real viable option for him to be back on the field? Uh, I don't have an update on him yet, but I do plan to have one pretty soon, um, and hopefully by the time we do our next podcast for, uh, or at least the next recruiting podcast. He's a um, guy who, if he had not blown his knee up, which, you know, dislocated knee and, and torn ACL, uh, is, is pretty scary. Uh, if he had not blown his knee up, I think he would probably be the number one player in the country or, or very much in the conversation for him. A freakish athlete uh, with, with natural pass rushing skills, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's really good. 
obviously, and then something Florida State could use, a, a really nice pass rusher off the edge, a guy who I think could at least, you know, could play north of, of 260 uh, at, at some point. I mean, he's not so skinnily framed that, that he couldn't be able to handle that. Uh, has a lot of room to, to add some weight there. Uh, the big thing for him is just going to be getting back, getting healthy. We'll see if, if he's able to do anything in spring practice or not. Uh, hopefully, it, at the very least, he'll be able to take mental reps and, and hopefully uh, keep a good attitude as he works through his um, through his rehabilitation there. Uh, but a guy I know Florida State is still really excited to sign and, and still really excited to have. Certainly, yeah, a kid with uh, with all the tools, like you said, physically gifted uh, as they come, and uh, a big big recruiting too. Uh, so excited to see what becomes of that. Let's move back to linebacker uh, real quickly here, Bud. Got uh, two kids that have been committed for a good bit in Brian Bell and uh, Kilby Lane, Shamar Kilby Lane, uh, but most recently picked up uh, an additional commitment at linebacker, Juco Lorenzo Phillips, a kid that has, what, two years to play to, originally signed with LSU. Uh, tell me what you know about him and uh kid that still has to make grades, if, I, if I'm not correct. Uh, but a guy that you could see probably get on the field uh, a little bit quicker than the others just because of uh, where he is in age and maturity, at least physically. And uh, a kid that certainly became a uh, not a must-have, but somebody that you would want once you uh, once you figured out you were losing uh, you were losing yet another kid to transfer, not yet another transfer, but yet another kid at linebacker this time in particular to transfer. Yeah, I mean, okay. Oligwe booted, uh, you know, uh, Levenberry transferred out. Um, uh, Reggie Northrup tore his ACL. We still don't have any sort of confirmation on what exactly is going on with Kane Dobb. Uh, he didn't practice with or travel with the team for the Rose Bowl, which is not a very good thing because other guys who were redshirting certainly did. So they need bodies at linebacker. Uh, in, in Kilby Land and Brian Bell, they have two guys who they make a buttload of tackles in high school. They seem to have a good nose for the football. They react pretty quickly. They get to it, and they get the guy on the ground. They need to both add weight. Uh, they need to both come in and learn the system. I don't think they're guys who are going to play a lot as true freshmen, but they could both provide depth as true freshmen. The one guy I think you have to be kind of very intrigued by, like you said, is, is Lorenzo Phillips, um, who you know, was at LSU, uh, left due to academic and eligibility issues, and ended up at a junior college, uh, had offers from some SEC schools, uh, to enroll early, which I think was what Alabama and A&M, and then he ended up not being able to enroll early uh, due to the academics. So uh, then, you know, some schools that are real tight on numbers, they only have a spot for you if, uh, if you can enroll early. And so Florida State is not as tight on numbers, uh, at least in terms of fitting early enrollees and non-early enrollees, because they got seven uh, to enroll early this time, which is a pretty nice job uh, there. They had the luxury of having the space to take him where some other schools kind of stopped recruiting him uh, once they realized he couldn't enroll early. He does a lot of pass rushing off the edge in, um, in, in his Jugo tape that I can see. Not a lot of coverage shown, not a whole lot of like working through traffic to make tackles necessarily from, from the middle position, you know, from the linebacker position or anything like that. He's very much a guy on the edge. I think he can be an asset against the spread. I mean, 6'3. 230, another guy who can play on the edge for you, and something I think Florida State needs. And it, at the very least, I mean, it's a college-ready body, assuming he you know, finishes the, his stuff in the classroom and actually gets in and qualifies, uh, which you know, I, don't want to, uh, I don't want to speak ill of the kid's academics, but someone who already 
had to leave one college due to academics and then wasn't able to enroll early after initially thinking that he wasn't able to enroll early, it does make me kind of think, well, I hope that the academics go all right this time around. He's able to get in. Um, that can be something that Florida State needs as far as just providing depth or, or perhaps a starting position. Yeah, no, you you are starting to be in a situation where it's not unreasonable to get worried about numbers of linebacker, and uh, he certainly gives you that. And, you know, we'll see what comes of it once he gets on campus, assuming he does get on campus, like we said. But uh, a guy that uh, you would think to see earlier than, than either of the two high school kids. Uh, I do have to say that, um, you know, I'm excited to see what you get out of the Kilby Lane kid. Uh, I think there's a good upside there, uh, maybe a little bit underrated by the recruiting services. Um, if that, that would be the one player at linebacker that uh, I would look for the most moving forward. I'll put it that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he's a, a very, very talented player and someone who I, I think could definitely um, do some stuff for you on special teams, if not uh, on defense uh, fairly early. Um, moving back to the secondary, or I guess there's nobody else at linebacker that you would expect to be. We're, we're done there, correct? Uh, yeah, I don't think they're taking anymore. Anybody along the um... – I guess pretty much Beckner or Bust along the defensive line at this point. Or no, this uh, at least a, a, a I'm sorry, tackling, we didn't need yeah. to talk about uh, Yeah, we probably need to talk about, about the defensive end real quick. Um, right. So, is that Daytona? Is that right? Where's the end of them, sorry? Uh, who now? The uh, I'm sorry. Uh, name just slipped my mind. I'll edit this out. Embarrassing. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, oh you, mean, you mean Coward. Uh, you yeah, coward too. But shit. Uh, <laughs> oh damn, I'm trying to look him up now. Oh well. Yeah, let's go back and uh, talk about coward. I'll go ahead and let you start doing that now and uh, splice it back in. Okay. Uh, coward out of Sethner Armwood, which uh, if you all are not familiar where, where Armwood is, go down 275, get off on the I4 exit, go about two miles east. That's Armwood. All right. Uh, they, they play in the state title game uh, quite often, and uh, he's a very, very good player. Now, I don't think he's the number one player in the country. I know Rivals does. I know some other sites think he's more of a top 10, top 25 type guy. I think that's probably where I would have him in that in that you know 10 to 25 type range, maybe in the top 10. Uh, but I don't think he's the number one overall player. Maybe he has an argument for it, but I don't, I don't know that I'd put him number one. In any case, defensive end, um, you know, Good explosion at times, uh, good playing strength at times as well. Not the longest guy, not not the you know biggest guy, but does have some room to get even bigger. Uh, is fairly young for his grade as well, which is encouraging. Um, a guy who I, I think is a hard worker, um, and and some people at Arm would really like him. Question is, can Florida State actually get him? And the answer, for the most part, when it comes to these uh, you know Armwood kids, is no. Uh, that they can't actually get him because Armwood kids, for whatever reason, don't go to Florida State. Um, they they just don't end up there. So uh, oftentimes they go to Florida. At this point, Florida State's still in this. I mean, they, they still have a shot to get him. I don't think he, there's like a no-shot type thing there. He's a guy who is uh, um, going to take a visit to Florida State if, if all goes through on, on the 30th and getting the last official visit. You know, going somewhere where some of your fellow Tampa guys, like a 
uh, George Campbell and, and some of your, your Orlando guys who were just right down the I-4 corridor, corridor there in, in uh, Durbin James and Chuck Patrick and all them, dudes he knows pretty well. I think they have a shot to get them at the same time. I, I would put Florida State third at this point behind either Florida and Auburn or Auburn and Florida, uh, one of the two, depending on, on, on who you prefer there. He obviously has a great relationship with Will Muschamp, and uh, I think that's something to, um, you know, to, to look at. Can Florida State really get him away? Eh, I don't know, but I think the one thing that we watch here, does he actually keep his visit to Florida State, or, or does, he, does he cancel it late? If he keeps his visit, I'm going to give Florida State a shot. Not a great one, but just a shot. If he doesn't keep his visit, then I, I think we can finally dismiss all the dark stuff. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you lined up for the last visit and the kid doesn't make it in, that's uh, that's not a positive sign as to where he might uh, end up uh, if you really want him to end up on your campus. Uh, the other kid, Bud, uh, Shelton Johnson out of Delray Beach. Uh, big, kind of tall, lanky kid. Somebody that you would uh, want to have a couple years with uh, messing around with Vic Valoria um, and then see what the final product might look like. But uh, you think he ultimately ends up at Florida State kind of Kind of long, lean, what, 6'5", 225, somewhere in that area, but uh, a, a kid that you might see added here in the final two weeks. Yeah, I, I do think that's someone that they're going to get, actually. Uh, I know that uh, he and his mom visited uh, for – I forgot what game it was. It was some game. It might have been – it was like a – I think it was a day game, uh, and it was in, like, October. So whatever game that – was it Wake Forest, maybe? Um, anyway. I know that he, he did bring his mom up there for that ball game, and they had a really good time. Johnson is a developmental pass rusher type, 6'4", 6'5", probably 222 and a quarter. Um, guy with, with good get off, nice natural length, not an instant impact guy because he needs to add weight. This is a Florida State Miami battle and a battle that I expect Florida State to win. I, I think that they'll get they'll get Johnson uh, down the stretch out of, out of Delray Beach, um, and I, I think he'll beat Miami out for him. And I think he's going to be in the class regardless of, of whether or not they get Byron Coward. Uh, I'm not really addressing C.C. Jefferson here. I, I don't think that yeah. uh, Forrest yeah. is, is seriously in the race for C.C. Jefferson, and I, I don't really understand why he keeps getting brought up. Um, he doesn't really mention Florida State at all. I, I put basically no meaning into him wearing a Florida State hoodie the other day. Uh, kids wear stuff all the time. I, I, I got asked about that a good bit, so – uh, we're not really going to discuss C.C. Jefferson any more than that. I expect him to end up either at uh, Florida, Auburn, or um, um, what's called, uh, or or Ole Miss actually. Okay, Ole Miss getting back in the game. Good for them. Uh, Ole Miss is in the game. Yeah, Ole Miss in the game. In the game. Yeah. Good, good. It's just uh, life is a highway. Um, let's move back to defensive back, Bud. Incredible unit. When you look at what they've done, uh, you can start with what's already on campus. Uh, again, that theme continues here with Bruton and, and then Darwin James. Uh, but let's go ahead and look at uh, at who might be out there, uh, both committed and uncommitted. Start the conversation with uh, with the kid out of California, uh, Biggie Marshall. Recently came to campus. What then? Uh, currently or maybe just wrapped up his OV to Michigan. Uh, the guy that has an Oregon, I know an Oregon visit as well, uh, won't official visit to USC just because he's a Long Beach Poly kid that needs to, uh, but still, uh, at least in my opinion, they're far and away the biggest player in his commitment, or his recruitment, rather. 
any reason to think that he is somebody that would be in this class or no. the fact that his parents didn't come, more or less, all you need to know? Yeah, I think it really is all you need to know. You're going to tell me that a kid from 2,300 miles away is going to make one trip to Florida State, one, not bring his parents, and then convince his parents that that's where he's going to go to school? When he's been to USC more than 10 times in the last, like, 18 months? You you really think that's going to happen? When you have an option like USC, which is a great option and equally as good as Florida State, but for really any way you argue this thing, you think he's going to decide to go to FSU? Come on, man. If he was really serious about Florida State, one of his parents would be on the trip. And I know they had to work, but, um, you know, he would find a way. To, to bring somebody with him on the trip who was really important to him to show, you know, to show, hey, this is where I really want to be, to show where he wants to go to that person. And I, I don't buy it. I, I, the, the, amount, the number of kids who spurn a school like USC and pick a school, you know, 23, 2400 miles away and don't bring a parent with him is like, I don't know of any. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't really happen. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. I know Florida State was definitely disappointed when he didn't show up with, with, with the parent. Um, and uh, obviously, they had to work, they had to work. But um, I, I think he'll sign with USC. I, I am, uh, not, definitely don't think Florida State has a shot at, at Biggie Marshall. Good deal. Mika Fitzpatrick, kid out of New Jersey. Uh, a, a guy who maybe has had his kind of the shine come off him a little bit recently. Um, very still highly rated, uh, committed to Alabama. Some questions as to whether or not he may be a safety or a corner. Uh, where do you think Florida State is with him? Is that a kid that they have a realistic chance to flip? And uh, what what is it, in your opinion, uh, the chances he ends up being in this class? I think the chances are, are decent, actually, uh, which may surprise some folks. Bama thinks they're going to be able to hold on to him, but at the same time, uh, Bama was not expected to land Kendall Sheffield, the, the corner they got out of Texas, which suddenly makes that defensive backfield a lot more crowded. Uh, Alabama is still apparently in on Chris Boyd, who just put them in uh, his top three tonight, a player FSU was trying to get, and then he dropped FSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not, he's not coming there. At some point, I think if you're making Fitzpatrick, you have to ask, with all these corners coming to Alabama, you're a bigger guy. What is your chance you can move to safety? And how much does that matter to you? Do you really care about playing corner over safety? Do you care about early playing time? Because both those things, I think, favor you coming to Florida State. Um, you know, and the, the programs are, are of similar stature. Both both went a boatload of games, obviously. Um, we'll have to see. I think Florida State has, has done a, about as good a job there as they can staying in contact with Fitzpatrick. They've had a good, good amount of success getting kids out of the New Jersey area and have had some success in the Northeast uh, under Jimbo Fisher signing kids. So uh, it's not unlike, or it's not like he, he can come down and, and be totally out of place down here. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them get him actually. Interesting. Certainly be a, a nice get and uh, another reminder of Florida State's ability to recruit on a national level. Um, this is going to be bad radio, bud, and I don't mean to many put you on the spot. I've forgotten the kid's name. But uh, it looks like recently Florida State's gotten involved with a three-star kid out of Miami Carroll Central. Um, do you think that's somebody that might be in the class? Is that somebody that you're hedging on uh, 
on these two five-star kids not breaking your way. Uh, do you know the player I'm talking about, and uh, what do you think the chance is, if you do, that he ends up being in the class? Sure. Well, there are actually two, um, and, and one is uh, Rashad Fenton, and the other one is Jeremiah Denson. Uh, Fenton goes to Carroll City, and uh, Denson goes to American. Denson is probably more of like a, I don't know, a, he's more of like a, like a, a safety corner hybrid. Whereas Fenton is uh, is a little more, I mean, he's obviously smaller, um, but he's more of kind of that pure corner thing. Florida State has yet to offer either. I would not surprise me at all to see one or both get offers if, if you're Florida State, um, because you need a body at the position. I, I think Florida State ideally would like to take two more defensive backs in this class for a total of six. Now, I think that will happen if they land Fitzpatrick and one of those guys. I do not believe that they would accept commits from both those guys should they miss on on, uh, on Fitzpatrick. So uh, I think there's a strong chance that one of those guys ends up in the class. I, I think Fenton has the better shot just because he's more of a, of a pure corner. And Florida State has, has quite a few of the kind of hybrid uh, corner safety guys right now. Uh, but both are definitely a, a step down from the target Florida State had and, and missed on. Um, and, and so this happens in recruiting. You're not necessarily going to land every single person you want um, in, in perpetuity. And uh, hopefully Florida State is not too late getting in on these guys. I don't think they would be. Um, Fenton is a dude who I, I definitely recall uh, wearing Florida State gear at his South Florida Express tryout a couple of years ago, although he looks a little bit different now. Um, I wouldn't. I think they can get him. He was also at, at Junior Day. I have some photos of him at least one of the last two Junior Days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, talk briefly about the kids already on campus. Uh, Calvin Bruton. Uh, we talked briefly about Derwin James. We've talked uh, almost ad nauseum about. But uh, let's go ahead and remind people again that they are a part of the early enrollees. Uh, Derwin James is a total freak, arguably the best safety uh, in the recruiting era, which is essentially like the last 15 years since, since recruits started being rated with the star system. Um, a guy who I expect to come in and play immediately for Florida State, and uh, assuming you pick up the system, he should be really, really good, um, and, and I think could be an impact player almost immediately. Tavares McFadden, uh, the five-star corner, uh, tweeted out tonight that he is uh, – 100% null and uh, is not going to take any other visits. So any sort of lingering concerns about him possibly going on that Georgia visit uh, to see his buddies up there from his high school, especially today after Georgia lost out on Dante Jackson, the corner who selected Louisiana State. Um, those are, are now dashed. And uh, and so he's going to be a null. I think a player who can come in. And his technique is a little bit raw, but he does have nice length and size. He, he could, could, could yeah, gosh. He could contend for early playing time. You wish he was an early enrollee, but he's not. Um, and then Calvin Bruton and A.J. Westbrook are guys who I think have nice positional versatility. You know, they, they could play corner. They could, all, they could also play safety, depending on how much weight they put on, how quickly they pick up the system. But it's nice to have those dudes in and, and enrolled early. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Get them into the system, figure out what you have there. And it, sometimes getting guys in, enrolled early can also help you in recruiting that year. I mean, if, if some of the – if some of the offseason and the flexibility uh, stuff you're putting these guys through, and you talk to your strength coach and you say, hey, this guy's a lot more flexible than we thought. Maybe you can play corner. Maybe that impacts how you recruit. Or maybe 
if one of the guys you thought could play corner ends up not being able to play corner due to his flexibility that he's showing in workouts, um, you know, maybe the opposite happens. Maybe the opposite's true. Maybe you go you go after another corner. So it's nice to be able to get those guys in and evaluate them like that. Good deal. Uh, anybody else that you really wanted to cover that you could see in this class? Uh, I feel like we've we've at least tried to touch at uh, at each general position group. Uh, anybody that we're leaving out? Anything to look forward to as far as a larger macro trend? Um, what are kind of your overall observations on this class as we head into the final two weeks? I, I think people are might be disappointed actually on signing day but i will ask you uh do you ever like hear an announcer say touchdown florida state and that's an eight point touchdown because blah 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 committed on signing day as opposed to having <laughs> been committed for a year no right that right. that's that's silly yeah uh, i mean that's as old as recruiting though i mean pe- people will Oh, people put more stock in the three star that were, that decides in the final five days than the than the five star that committed to him fourteen months ago. Uh, it's just uh, everybody gets wrapped up and really caught up in these final kind of uh, you know few decisions and, and probably ends up putting way too much emphasis on them. Completely agree. I totally agree there, and part of that is is clearly driven by you know subscription right. recruiting sites yeah. so yeah um that's that's fairly understandable and it's it's somewhat annoying but overall just look at the entire class understand what, what they have brought in florida state has hit its goals in almost every position and looks like it's going to hit almost all its goals uh and bring in a, another really good class perhaps the best class jimbo fisher has signed actually so that's saying something uh, at least on paper and uh every class is on paper until it does something so Anyway, um, by the way, I think I made a mistake. Uh, I may have referred to A.J. Westbrook as an early enrollee, and he is not. Um, I don't know if I lumped him and Bruton in earlier. I, I can't really scroll back on the audio when we're going live, but yeah, no, I, did, I, think, I apologize I think for that. I think you were just kind of uh, grouping the rest of the kids in the uh, defensive backfield that we hadn't talked about. I, I didn't necessarily take it that way, but uh, sure, gotcha. I understand. I uh, want to mention one one thing, Bud, before we uh, kind of wrap up the recruiting part of this and, and very much tied to the conversation that we've just had, but I, I cannot think, uh, and this is something that I guess people are prone to hyperbole when you do podcasts, when you do things like that, when if you write for a website, but uh, I don't think I'm being ridiculous uh, uh, living in the now fanboy if I say that, like, this is probably going to be the most anticipated spring that I can remember of Florida State football, uh, not only because of the answers that you have, or rather the questions that come about every spring as to who is going to step into what shoes and players that, you know, you're excited about that you signed a year ago that you maybe haven't gotten to see because of lack of opportunity in the field or an injury or grades or whatever reason. Um it would also only be magnified because you're dealing with an open seat at the quarterback, uh, which always seems to uh, really capture people's attention, and, and that's kind of where a spring can really become a big deal. Um, but I don't know that, and this is obviously a growing trend in recruiting uh, in general, but the amount of early enrollees and the amount of talent uh, and the, the level of players that uh, – 
that these seven kids and, and then the first kid from last year as well uh, can't wait for spring. I mean, it's going to be uh, an awful lot of fun uh, to watch what happens, to see how these players uh, kind of emerge on the scene. But I don't know if it uh, like won't be Florida State's most uh, anticipated spring practice of all time or uh, uh, most interesting or whatever line uh, you want to put to it. But uh, I can't think of a more like a spring that I've been more excited about or look forward to more. No, I, I agree. I think the maybe the 2013 spring, because you had so many known quantities there already on that defense coming back, um, and you know you knew you had the offensive line all coming back for the most part. Uh, and the quarterback is a position that really can carry a spring and spring hype, you know, uh, with, with, with Jameis and, and to be able to see what he could do, especially with, with the baseball stuff going on too. Um, but I, I think it's going to be at least – if not the most, maybe the second most uh, in the Jimbo Fisher era. Right. But, you, I mean, you've never had, like, kids like Derwin James, George Campbell, the Patrick Oh, kid. no, no. The, the early he, enrollee he, factor is, is certainly much never different. had that. Uh, no. He, and, and, obviously, the quarterback, Constantino, uh, Smag, whether or not one of the uh, these freshmen ends up becoming, obviously, the only one that would be in the spring conversation is the, uh, the kid out of First Coast that we talked about to begin the podcast. But uh, just just an added element with with the amount of talent that will be, uh, you know, newcomers to the team and and uh, first displayed during spring. So something to look forward to and something that we have a bunch of time to talk about uh, beforehand. But uh, just something that popped into my mind. I knew you wanted to uh, maybe wrap the conversation with a interesting hypothetical that we had uh, submitted from a listener. Yeah, uh, let me give credit to whoever submitted this. Uh, this is from Yolo Noel, uh, <laughs> um, who has added, uh, which is kind of cool. He's uh, added the name? NFL draft okay. expert, yeah, NFL well, draft expert tag, uh, which I have not? also done. Um, yeah. yeah, you can be you can be an NFL draft expert <laughs> simply by adding it to your Twitter bio. Uh, <laughs> do it now. Um, I actually put seasonal NFL draft experts. So I don't get NFL draft questions in the in the non NFL draft season. Um, no, I'm, I'm apparently so good that I can do it solely uh, during draft season. Um, my question is, how many scholarships is a Jameis Winston talent worth at quarterback each year? So the question is, it how many scholarships would you be willing to give up? to have a, a player like Winston on your roster? That's kind of how I took it, yeah. I, I think that that's that's probably what he means. Um, interesting. I don't want to be and too – I wonder, uh, is, it, is it just for one year? Is it like, hey, yeah, you're going to get – Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to ask. Fresh, is it, freshman level, Jameis? Uh, because there, there's a consideration here, um, which is if you give up these scholarships, you are potentially hurting your depth down the line when you don't have that player. I would give up more scholarships uh, if I could have Winston, you know, as, as a as a freshman, right? Uh, but if it's each year, then I guess those are sort of cumulative. Um, and you also wonder, are you giving up these scholarships off the 85 or off the 25? You'd obviously rather want to give them off, off the 85 so you can take a full crop of 25 next year if you or every year if you want and just go on next save and, and, and cut the non-performers. <laughs> so, um, I mean, oh, excuse me. Yeah, uh, not do that, which doesn't happen at all. Anyway, 
Uh, I think I would probably be willing to play at like 79 or or maybe like 77, dude. I don't know if I'd give up 10, but I think I'd give up like 8. You know? So are you saying that we go back three years ago, you're sitting in Jameis Winston's living room, and you're willing to give up 8 over the next three years? Or... Um, I think I'd be willing rather to play than sign twenty five in that class. Sign eight. No, 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 not that. Uh, I, I well, I wouldn't wouldn't hack off eight off an actual signing class. I think I would be willing to play. Like if you said, hey, you can have Jameis Winston for the next two years, but you got to play with seventy eight scholarships or seventy six scholarships or seventy seven uh, for each of the next two years total. Then I, I think I would say, okay. Now if you get into like the seventy. Um, I don't know, like the seventy, like the seventy range. That's uh, that's a little tougher because then you're start you're really starting to kind of potentially impact your future depth. Definitely, uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, if you tell me as far as one class, uh, I would say four, maybe five. You know, um, if you tell me over the length of his career, then yeah, you could operate it. You could operate at eight or nine, I would think, if you if you know you're going to have a quarterback like that. Um, I mean, this is obviously a wild hypothetical, and you don't want to dwell down too much on it, but you can also look at it as a way that if you've got a Jameis Winston on your team, how much more attractive uh, do the wide receiver spots become that you can offer people? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, oh God, yeah. Like, so you've only so you tell yourself, well, that's probably one less wide receiver immediately. Well, when you do go out and you shop those three or four, however many allocated you have on your individual roster, uh, it's a hell of a lot easier sales pitch, uh, and you can have a much higher hit rate, at least you would think, uh, if one of the things that you have to sell is the uh, opportunity to play with, you know, one of the more uh, gifted kind of traditional-style quarterbacks that we've seen in the last 10, 12, 15 years or so. Um, so well, how much recruiting did James do for State over the last couple of years? A ton, right? Yeah. Oh, there's no talent. I mean, it, it would be it would be hard to quantify. Uh, and honestly, I think that, uh, that that will probably be felt for two or three years. And if he goes on to become the, the product uh, in the NFL that he might be, James Winston could be paying you dividends for – the next 12 or 14 years. I mean, um, I don't know how much stock to put in it as you can't put any stock whatsoever into what a high school kid says, particularly at this point in the year. But you just had uh, Biggie Marshall say that his, <laughs> say that Deion Sanders is his favorite cornerback of all time. How long has that guy right. paid recruiting dividends for Florida State? I mean, you've been hearing that answer for two decades now. Uh, hell, probably more than that, actually. Uh, so interesting what you can get out of kind of a transcendent player and, uh, how long he can be a benefit to your program. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, how, okay. If you had Jameis, if you, knowing what you know about Jameis, how good he was, if you had the ability to sign Jameis Winston, the recruit, how many, scholarships would you be willing to not to lop off your 25 for that year to ensure you signed it? I don't think I could go under, if you're telling me 25 is a hard number, which I know it's not, but just hypothetically, 
Right. Uh, I don't think I could go under 20. Oh, man. I, gosh, I don't know. I, I Because I'm very much like the flags fly forever mentality, I might go like 15 and just say, okay, I know this is really going to hurt my depth in the future. Uh, but at the same time, Jameis makes the rest of my roster a lot better. The bottom 10 guys in this recruiting class are not necessarily going to win me a title. And I can, it's not like I have to lop off 10 off the recruiting class for each year he's in. It's just just the one I'm going to sign him in, right? You are just, you are just swallowing that, that pill one time. Uh, and maybe I'm being, uh, but you, I mean, you just have so many hits and misses in a recruiting class as, as it's, you know, your variance on a lot of these kids is so high. Um, I would feel better being able to space that out over a couple of years. But, yeah, if you tell me you're getting the Jameis Winston product and, and you know what his resume is looking back, uh, you're you honestly, you're in a position to say no at any number, really, uh, because because you know what you get and you get it the most the most important position on the field. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And just something I wanted to talk about, it, it's hard to have uh, – content this time of year that's <laughs> that's kind of original because it's it's so much recruiting driven and uh that was just an, an interesting idea and something I thought worth spending uh, ten minutes or so on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um all right man, I mean let's uh we'll do it again. Probably do a uh immediate uh look back on the recruiting class. There's no I mean, with the way recruiting is and the way news changes, and I mean, there's real, there's not a real reason to have a podcast uh, 24 hours before signing day or something like that. That's just no, uh, that. something that can really get uh, can be <laughs> can be dated 30 minutes after we have our conversation. Uh, so, so let's do a podcast immediately after the class, and we can uh, fully look back on the class and talk. Uh, talk a little bit more as to where the program's headed in general, and we'll start to look towards spring. Um, NFL draft's going to be a huge story involving Florida State that we'll uh, we'll talk about a little bit as well. And uh, Yeah, look, maybe we can do an NFL draft to, episode, uh, dude. Yeah, we can do a little. We can do a Have draft. an NFL draft expert, like an actual NFL draft expert? <laughs> or we could, we could blind test it, bud. We could get an oh. actual NFL draft expert and then just get somebody that put us to their Twitter handle. And uh, see how different it is. Uh, be the uh, NFL draft expert challenge. Um, so cool, man! I enjoyed it. Certainly appreciate everybody listening. Uh, any shares, any reviews on iTunes, uh, feedback always appreciated. Uh, look forward to doing another one, Bud. And it's and uh, another exceptional recruiting class. And certainly have gotten spoiled on these over the past four or five years, but. Uh, can't wait to see where it ends. Can't wait to talk about where it ranks nationally. Uh, in the conference, we know where it's going to rank. Uh, and can't wait to have the conversation as to where it ranks uh, in kind of the uh, Jimbo Fisher classes uh, that he's put together during his time in Tallahassee so far. So uh, enjoyed it, and we'll talk with you soon. I do. Take care. All right, man. It doesn't want to seem to pause here. I'll uh, I'll go back through and trim up uh, a little bit of that defensive end conversation, and then 
I wasn't being particularly clear when we were talking about wide receivers as far as differentiating uh, the two that weren't already early enrollees and might go back and chop that up a little bit as well. Gotcha. Cool, dude. Cool. All right, man. Enjoyed it. I'll get it over to you uh, tomorrow morning, hopefully. All right, man. Take care. All right, brother. All right.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.